Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. It's a counter-attack. It's the new drop back. Hello, welcome to Chesi Hour. My name is Mies and I'll be your host for this one. I'm joined by two distinguished guests, regulars on the Chelsea podcast, regular and Chesi. Um, so, yeah, let me introduce them. Sam, what are you saying, bro? I'm good, good. January kicking my ass, but I'm all good. No, I, I feel like that's the same with everyone. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm up to my neck, pause in mad work. So it's crazy. Trust right now for me. Timson, what are you saying, bro? How you doing? I am good. Um, temporarily back into academia on a short course, but the stress of studying is nothing compared to str- to the stress of being a Chelsea football club supporter. Brother. Brother, do not get me started. In fact, you've got me started. This is why we're here today on the pod. First of all, I just want to say big up all you listeners. We appreciate your support. Um, we're going to be doing a lot more disc, um, Discord and Patreon content. So feel free to sign up to the Discord. Feel free to sign up to the Patreon. And we will assure you that we'll be bringing out weekly content, both when it comes to articles or when it comes to, to this, um, Patreon pods. It will all be there. And yeah, sign up, tap in with us, and yeah, let's get it cracking on with the show now. We played two games, we've been away from the Premier League, and you know, Chelsea disappointing Premier League campaign has been put on pause um, for the last couple of games, while we played an FA Cup game against Preston, um, and then we had a midweek game against Middlesbrough, um, but we, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. First, I want to touch on the Preston game. 
And there was quite a few conflicting views as to whether we played well in that game or not. Um, Sam, I want to come to you because I think we had a discussion in the group chat about it. Um, first half, let's talk. Because for me, that was a horrible, horrible half. Um, firstly, I want to talk about the lineup um, because once again, it looked a little bit mad to me. Uh, Borey was up top, I believe. I think he was playing up top, right? Borey. Um, yeah, yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, yeah. So the lineup was Borey up top. Um, I believe Raheem Sterling on the left, Palmer on the right. Not, not no, I think it was Sterling on the right, Palmer in the 10, and Mudrick on the left. Yes, Mudrick on the left. And then, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. And then Mudrick Enzo Caicedo. Enzo Caicedo. Um, I think Conor Gallagher was dropped um, or rested. Um, and, you know, the lineup looked all right. But it just once again approach the way that we play, the way that we set out. It's just. Not too great, man. So let me know. Um, because I, I know Alfie Gil um, Gilchrist started his first game for Chelsea as well. Um, Gusto was playing at left back, Colwell played at centre back for the first time for a very long time alongside the Sassy. And my number one, Petrovic, was, was in goal. Um, but yeah, talk to me, talk to me, Sam, because yeah, we had definitely had conflicting views on the game. Yeah, yeah, so I think. I mean, I don't think the first half was good by any means, but I do think the kind of reaction to that first half was maybe slightly overreacted by a few people. I mean, I think we see these games quite often. You're kind of scrappy third round tie against the lower league opposition. First half can always feel a little bit slow. And then I kind of, what I expected to happen happened with the, with the second half, we kind of just, took away and obviously the first goal from Broho with a really nice header and then we kind of just built on that I mean I think they had something like let me have a look they they, they had four shots 30% of the ball and I mean I know stats aren't everything but they really didn't do anything to kind of trouble us and we were troubling them and I just think the scoreline at the first half with the nil-nil kind of led a lot of people to kind of jump and I think it was just I get it because the way kind of Chelsea are at the minute it is not good and it's not enjoyable to watch so I do feel like any kind of bad half or any bad moment that Chelsea have is going to be really magnified by by fans so I, I completely understand it but I think sometimes we just have to take ourselves out and literally these games happen kind of every season even if we're amazing these games happen I mean so yeah I just think it was a good win in the end but I I, I mean it's a third round tie against Preston at the end of the day so 4-0 should be expected yeah, yeah. I mean, the reason why I feel like the first half in particular for what was disappointing to me is because I felt like once again Chelsea as a team. Because I feel like when we talk about Chelsea, I, I always feel like I, I can't help but talk about individuals and individuals doing well or badly, rather than as a team we're functioning well. I mean, I think in the first half in particular we were very, very um, disjointed. And I think that's a word that I could use to describe Chelsea pretty much every game this season. Um, We're disjointed. I felt like we didn't really impose our will on Preston at all. Um, I think a lot of those shots that you referenced for Chelsea came in the second half. Um, We had 24 shots in in total. But I feel like a lot of our good stuff came in the second half. I think Broya, for example, couldn't get in the game. For the life of me, Broya... 
um, Sterling and Mudrick just couldn't get in the game. Once again, Chelsea were struggling to find themselves um, in between the lines or trying to, struggling to find a pass in between the lines. Um, passing it round the back again, just circling between the, um, the defenders and there was no real um, penetration at all. It was um, really poor, in my opinion. Um, but you're right. In the second half, Chelsea did seem to find another gear, um, which tends to happen when you've got a golf in, in class um, between, you know, a, a championship side and, and, and a premiership side or a, a third a third tier um, team, for example, in this case with Preston. But I just feel like it was a worrying sign when you start like that um, against teams who don't really have much to lose. and um, But ultimately, quality showed in the end. Uh, Timson, talk to me. Um, because when we see the lineup again, you see Malagusto at left-back, when you've got Ian Mutson, who's there. Obviously, he's now gone on loan. So the explanation would have been um, that, that he's gone on loan, so that's why he didn't play. Um, but now he's gone on loan, do you not feel we can have an assessment on him and think, well, maybe he's been treated quite harshly here um, and not been given an opportunity to really fail or do well, to be honest? Yeah, I mean, if he wasn't playing because they're protecting the loan move to Dortmund, then he gets blanket immunity for the last couple of games before the move comes to fruition. That said, I'm glad you said he wasn't given a chance because there's harsh and there's just full-fledged neglect, which is what I saw of Pochettino. And currently, I'm still trying to understand why. In terms of me looking back retrospectively, and I looked at Ian Martson's defensive numbers and... They weren't anything um, particularly bad. They were more on the positive side than on the negative. So for Pochettino to for for Pochettino to say he doesn't like him from a defensive perspective when he didn't actually play there, um, as far as I can remember in preseason, that that kind of decision of he's not a great defender is ruled out for me, um, especially when you have players like Trent Alexander-Arnold being protected by their managers because they do add value in other areas of the pitch. So that was one thing that I kind of ruled out. So it's definitely not his defensive. I don't think it's his his defensive output that Pochettino has an issue. Then the only thing I can imagine is just height. He's not the tallest, but We've seen many a defender like a Patrice Evra, like an Ashley Cole, who also wasn't the tallest, go on to be very solid, very competent, um, well-renowned fullbacks in the Premier League era. And he just wasn't given a chance. And it clearly is not a general consensus because Burnley were willing to pay 30 million. Obviously, there's a bias towards it because they know what what they're getting with the player they had the previous season. But he just wasn't given an opportunity and... To this day, I'm still concerned. I'm, I'm still not sure why. And I really wish, I really, really wish we had a journalist brave enough to just ask that question. Why have you not considered him? Considering the success he had in that position um, in arguably one of the greatest championship sides ever. Yeah. So, it's bizarre. Yeah. It, 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 it's yeah, bizarre. I mean, 
It's bizarre and because if you, if, you look, if, if you look at if you look at how games have transpired, especially the game against against Preston, and you've got the game against Middlesbrough, which we'll touch on a bit later. But when you've got a fullback that a centre back that's playing at fullback, you can see defending those wide zones are completely different to be defending central zones. I think against Preston, Colwell looked. I thought he looked a night and day in comparison to how we looked against Middlesbrough and how he's looked pretty much the majority of the season. So it just baffles me massively how Matson hasn't been considered, considering the injuries to Kukurea, considering the injuries to Chilwell. It's just insane to me. And obviously he's gone on loan until the end of the season. Um, probably that it is probable that we'll, we'll sell him in the end. Um, but we can only hope that if Pochettino does go, we get a manager in that actually thinks, okay, there is a use case for you. Because as you rightly said, Patrice Everett, actually Cole weren't the tallest, but by no means. I mean, Patrice Everett was probably about a, maybe a, an inch or two taller than um, Matson. So it's just, yeah, we've got Adam Ola-Lutman playing in Italy as a striker and people will be saying that, oh, he's too small. But again, that's not how football works. It's all about your talent and your quality. And um, we've not really been, we've not seen an opportunity, we've not seen him being given an opportunity to really show if he's good enough or not. And um, that seems to be the case when it comes to Chelsea and, and academy players and players in general, if we're being completely Can honest. I just, means, can I just give one also bit of food for thought for the listeners and for both of all of us on the pod? Now, there's been moments where Pochettino is chasing a game and I've called it on Twitter. Um, in the dying embers of the game where we're, we're chasing the game against Everton, he, he brings him on for the last few minutes. The game against Newcastle, he brings him on at left-back to chase the game. The game against Wolves, when we're losing and we're chasing the game, he brings him on. So when the, he in those games, he throws course into the wind and says, boom. But also in those games, particularly the... Newcastle game, particularly the Everton game specifically, because that's the first time I saw it, because it's the first time he stuck him on at left back, was when Martin could potentially be a component to get more out of Mudrick. Not saying unlock him, but to get more out of what we're currently seeing. So I remember when Nicolas Pepe first joined Arsenal and apparently one of his crazy demands from his agent um, before he decided, agreed on Arsenal is whoever, whatever team he signs for, he needs an attack an attacking fullback to bomb up and down the line and make multiple decoy runs. And you might have seen it in the game against uh, Middlesbrough when he when Mudrick came on. He drifts inside all the time. And because he very, very rarely goes down the line, the right back is not is preparing for him to go inside and there's they're normally doubling up. So he's drifting inside into bodies because they're all expecting him to go inside. In the game against Everton, in the game against Newcastle, in the game against Wolves, Martin was bombing up and down that left-hand side, and that dummy run made for, made the made the opposition defense think: Do I need to go with this man? And it allowed more space because he was taking away his fullback or the secondary defender, whether it's a midfielder or a centre back, was having to pause, and it was giving Martin and it was giving Mudrick free. It was giving Mudrick more of an isolation. And he had more time and opportunity to do whatever he wanted to do, what he likes to do when he drifts inside. So this player was not only a talented left back, but he was also 
providing ideal situations for another young player that we've invested heavily in. Yeah, hard to disagree. Hard to disagree. And I mean, whilst Pepe's demands seemed at the time a bit ludicrous, that for me strikes me as a player that actually kind of knows what he he needs and what he could work with. Um, so whilst I, I can mock it, and to be honest, I did mock it at the time, I, I, I kind of respect it at the end of the day. Um, that being said, I just feel like, like you rightfully pointed out, man, it just it just seemed like he was written off from the very outset in terms of his capacity as a fullback, which I find insane. I, 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 I do struggle to kind of take some of these journalists seriously if they, they don't have the real just balls to answer the, ask the question. Because how are you allowing him to get away with this it is insane to me. And you talk about injuries and complain about injuries and you're, you're literally not putting even your, your, your team in the best position by playing people out of position regularly. It's, it's insane. And I kind of want to, as a result, I want to kind of move on to the midfield. Um, Enzo Fernandez, who, who seems to be Chelsea's full guy at the minute, or Pochettino at least, his full guy, he seems to be taking him off every single game. Um, I, what, what are your thoughts on this, Sam? Because whilst Enzo this season's not been pulling up trees, he's not pulled up a tree for a very long time, um, for me anyway. I'm not going to say he's been poor. Um, but I would say he's playing way below the level I think he's capable of playing. Um, but do you not think that it's a little bit mad? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, Gallagher seems to be made a Teflon when it comes to Poch. He never takes him off. Um, and um, Enzo seems to be the guy that keeps getting pulled every game. Yeah, I mean, I agree that I don't think he's playing up to his level. I don't think that's solely his fault. I think he's maybe... And in terms of him coming off, I just don't think he's fit. Like I think he's obviously struggling with that injury. The um, was it like the groin or like the hernia issue he was struggling uh, with? Yeah, that's something like that. Yeah, so I mean, I think I think that's why he's coming off and he's not playing. To be honest, I don't really think it's anything deeper than that at this minute for me personally. I do just think he's struggling with injury. I mean, pretty much up until recently, since he joined Chelsea, he played like every single minute. Like he was basically playing a lot of football and this was coming off the back of kind of the World Cup where he obviously came into the team after the first couple of games playing a lot. So, I mean, he's played like a lot of football um, and he obviously was struggling with that injury. So that's why I think he's just coming off and not playing a lot. But in terms of what we're seeing from him, I think with someone like Enzo and you mentioned Gallagher there, it's, it's, it's a tricky one because for me, I think personally, if I'm ever rating Enzo against Gallagher, then I think Enzo has failed. And that sounds kind of mad to say, but I just think the kind of the the difference in quality between the two players and kind of just their ability from what I see is there is a gulf um, for me. So if, if that's ever a comparison and if that's ever a talk, then to me, I think Enzo is currently failing. And I think let's, it's unfair let's, to... Let's, let's talk about that because I, I do wonder... And I, and I always do wonder this because, like, look, I'm a big Conor fan. You man know. You guys did not like Conor Gallagher. So I know you don't have this special affinity with Conor. But what I would mm. say is that a player like Conor is very easy to rate his performances, in my opinion, simply because Agreed. he does dog work. He doesn't do anything particularly special 
like an Enzo or a Caicedo because they're actually good footballers. They're actually good technical um, and good high standard footballers in terms of what they can do with the ball, right? Whereas Connor, I think, I think he's a specialist ball winner. I think he, he's a specialist ball winner, but he's also very, very raw. So in the way that he wins the ball, in the way that he strategizes to get a ball is not the same in which I feel like a Caicedo may, may do or can take. But his game for me, Connor, needs refining. Um, but he's got all the capacity simply because of his physical attributes. Like he, he really does have that incredible engine that enables him to get about the pitch and influence games. Now, I agree to an extent that Enzo may have not had the same level of impact this season as Conor Gallagher. I agree. But I also think that there's been a difference in Enzo and Connor in terms of treatment and advocacy from the manager. Because if you think about it, Enzo and Caicedo have come under criticism from Pochettino, saying that, you know, you have to be at it regularly, you have to be on it, you have to be... But Conor Gallagher's not really had certain criticisms, even when even when he's played poor, even when he's been sent off. He's not been ha- he's not been given those criticisms, and you know, and I think maybe the money, you know, the fact that they're expensive players plays a part in it. Um, but I think there's definitely been a difference in treatment, and I don't think yeah. that also impacts that impacts confidence as well. You, For sure, I do. I just want to jump in and say I think it could be like different management styles, and maybe yeah. Poch is viewing it in a similar way to I am, where it's like if I'm comparing Enzo and Caicedo to a Gallagher, then they're failing. And I don't know if Poch is maybe like trying to kind of do that tough love, and he's like Gallagher is already know. playing at his level, like that is his level, like we know his level, we know what he gives us. No, I think yeah. Yeah, he can get better, but like he's given us what he gives us, whereas Enzo and Caicedo maybe aren't giving us what Poch believes. And I mean, maybe you don't agree with that, and I'm not sure if I nah, definitely I don't disagree. agree with it. No, I, I don't disagree. What I'm just, saying, yeah, just though, play devil's advocate, maybe that's why Poch is maybe a bit harsher on them. Nah, that's the thing. I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree that they're not playing to their level. But you then have to ask the question, why? Because it's one thing criticising the players. But you have to start asking the question, why? Why are the players not performing? And you need to also understand that it's not just them that aren't performing. We have to be objective. Why is it only one player in the team, or two players, in fact, that are actually playing to a level? Um, We can speak about Cole Palmer, who is an entity all in himself. He's been fantastic. But even Cole Palmer, I think Cole has got way more gears to get to and will get to if he played under a better coach. The same way I think Conor Gallagher, if he had a manager that was able to kind of refine his game, he'd be a better player. But right now, there is so much just mess. And I think the way I look at Chelsea is mess. Like We are very much a messy team in the way we go about things. You're seeing players like slapdash they're not even really their, their, their best selves you're not seeing Chelsea in their best selves and again we could talk about Thiago Silva he's been fantastic but he's not his best self why because I think structurally as a team Chelsea aren't in a, a good position for their players to thrive when you look at seasons gone in the past you've got Thiago Silva fizzing passes in between the lines but this this season no not really he's not really 
He's not really doing that. Why? Because there's a lack of structure, in my opinion. There's a lack of structural integrity in terms of the way that we build up and approach the game. And that's impacting all the players, regardless of their quality level, if that makes any sense. And the only players that seem to shine through that are, one, players that are brand new um, and given kind of license to do what they want, like a Cole Palmer, and a player like Conor Gallagher, who's advocated for, who's going to play every game regardless and been given a captaincy. But all the other players don't really have that sense of security and that sense of, um, you know, yeah, they don't have that sense. And I think that impacts players. Um, it, it's a bit of a weird one. Because even if you look at Caicedo, for example, I don't imagine Caicedo is going to be happy with what's going on in terms of going from a, an amazing structure in terms of build-up from Brighton to what's going on at Chelsea. Chelsea is supposed to be this big, massive football club. And it, I can imagine that the players be thinking, this is a bit of a head fuck. Um, Timson, what are your thoughts on the way that we, we even approach games? Because it, it does worry me, you know. I wonder what Poch is saying to these men. It's crazy. Well, one of my favourite journalist, Julian Arons, has more recently been on Pochettino's neck and he said, I've not seen any improvement in how they play, the build-up, what they do in certain situations, aka how to defeat a low block. Chelsea as a club have struggled with that for time under multiple managers, but post-Tuchel, Pochettino's been... um, had a long spell in charge and I've not seen a particular um, pattern of play. So just how we build up to games, it feels very much do what you can. Do what you can. I'll pick the, I'll pick the 11 and do what you can. But the thing is, my biggest gripe with Pochettino is his selections are detrimental to... Um, results and potential performances not when you have a team that you know is going to sit back and there's an emphasis there's going to be a a greater emphasis on your fullbacks to attack more so than defend specifically in certain situations and certain um, time frames within the game but you persist on having four center backs in certain situations (laughs) so I, I I could rant about this for the longest time but in short, I'm, I I never know what's gonna. I never know, or I ne- I can never kind of predict, or I don't attempt yeah. to predict what type of style of play we're going to play um, for certain games because I don't think um, there's a plan to play a specific style of play, and also I don't expect a situation to improve because of tactical tweaks or changes from Pochettino. So I was very shocked when all of a sudden we got a different 45 against Preston um, because he very rarely changes anything. Yeah. It's so bizarre. It's it's so bizarre. and I, <laughs> It really does concern me because I just don't understand how you want to try and impose your will on the team. And I, sometimes I think he may be just reactionary as a coach um, rather than imposing his will because some managers like to impose and dominate i think like a tuchel i think like a um like a pep um i also think like a Klopp. these are managers even arteta to an extent i think these are managers that want to impose their game um 
and Postacoglu. I think these men are guys that want to impose their will on 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 their opponents. And it doesn't always work. Sometimes it, you, you come up against people that have just got a better tactical structure than you, better players, and you just have to kind of like, you know, you, you have to like kind of accept that and, you know, kind of work around it. But with Poch, I just don't understand at times. I don't know, does he want to dominate? I don't, does he want to have the ball? Does he not want to have the ball? Does he want to play a high-intensity game? Does he want to play a, p- a possession-based game? Does he want to play through the lines? Does he want to get out wide? What, what are you actually trying to do? How do you want us to attack? How do you want the players to really attack the opposition? Because even if you're like, even if you took, if you even take a step back and say, okay, you want to play out wide, but you didn't have actual wingers playing. Like, why get on 1v1 wingers um, in the start of the season? You weren't playing Nani Madueke. You weren't playing Mihailo Madrid. You were playing Chilwell. At left uh, at left wing, um, which made perfect sense apparently to some according to some tacticals. Um, so I just always wonder, like Poch as a manager, and I say this every time on a pod, your job as a manager, for my opinion, in my opinion, is to put your team in the best position to function, thrive, and succeed. Pochettino consistently fails in that respect, and the very best managers, in my opinion. Don't fail in that respect. And they will only fail in the odd occasion. Like Pep Guardiola in the Champions League final. Like Pep Guardiola in the FA Cup semi-final. Like those moments like that. And then your opponent, who again, who generally may be of similar quality or better or, or worse, for example, may get the better of you because you've had a tactical lapse or you've had a lapse. And your, your players aren't either understanding your tactical instructions or um, there's a there's a misunderstanding or you you tactically have got it wrong and i think potch for me isn't a manager that is either humble enough to recognize that his tactical plan isn't quite working and two is or he may just be naive and just think this is this is fine because when he speaks after games and says oh yeah we played well like against middlesbrough he said we played well it, it it stuns me. It stuns me. Um, and I guess we could probably walk and talk talk about the, the Middlesbrough game. Um, but not before mentioning Armando Breuer. I think Breuer against Preston scored a fantastic header from, again, one of the players of the season, in my opinion, in Malagusto for us. Um, fantastic cross from Malagusto on the left-hand side. Um, and Breuer met with an amazing header. I don't think we scored a a header from a strike for a very long time since probably Kai, I think, last season maybe. Even then, that well, Jackson still... probably scored one. I tell you that. Much. Yeah, Jackson is scoring headers. Jackson is scoring headers. But yeah, that was an amazing header. Um, and then the floodgates started to open. I think Raheem scored a fantastic free kick. Um, Breyer hit the bar again from again a similar cross for Mihailo Mudrik. Um, and then I think it was Cole Palmer corner for Thiago Silva, bullet header, and then Enzo Fernandez gets on the score sheet with a, a good bit of play from Caicedo and Raheem to get him in. And then um, all deflects and he scores a goal. 4-0, comprehensive against Preston in the end, but it wasn't a pretty watch. And that had my eyebrows raising um, like Sir Carlo Ancelotti wondering what the hell is going to happen against Middlesbrough. Because Middlesbrough ain't even a good team. 
But they're in the championship. And I felt, oh, well, Middlesbrough like to play a low block. Um, but they also got a manager who was a ball player, a strategic player um, in Michael Carrick at the helm. So I'm thinking, mm, I, I think they'll be relatively comfortable on the ball, which they weren't. Um, but I think they'll be defensively quite sound. And Pochettino does not like it against low blocks. I said it before he came. I warned everyone before he came about Pochettino's problems and struggles. Um, so it, it's very, very interesting. Um, Sam, we watched a game. We talked about chances created and stuff, but let, let, let's run through the team. Um, Cole Palmer started up top as a false nine. Um, we had Noni Madweke and Raheem Sterling flanked with him. We had Enzo, Gallagher, Caicedo midfield. We had Levi Colwell again at left back. We had the Sassy, Thiago Silva, and you had, was it? Was it thingy? Gusto? It was Gusto, right? Yeah, at, right back. At right back. And then you had number one at number one. Um, talk to me, because that team, more than good enough. More than oh, good yeah. enough to get the win. Easily. More than good enough. So let, let's, let's talk about it, because I think the first half might have been... Um, First half was a funny one because I didn't think we played particularly well at all. But we had clear-cut opportunities to score goals. Yeah, we clear-cut. didn't play well, but we should have scored like three goals. Yeah, and they felt they fell to the guy that you kind of back to score goals. Um, yeah. Cole Palmer. They all fell to him. Um, I think, to be honest, they were harder to miss. <laughs> the, the chances were harder to miss than score. Yeah, especially um, the second one. The second was one, the second I just one? couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was one of the You volleyed over the bar after the keeper dropped it. Uh, uh, that yeah. one for me, I found insane. And it kind of a bit of a reminded me of um, remember when Steven Gerrard had a penalty uh, for Liverpool and um, <laughs> he had Hodgson as the manager. And then he looked back at Hodgson and before he's about to take the uh, pen. missed it on purpose. And he lost it over. <laughs> it reminded me of that because I'm thinking like, Palmer's usually calm in front of goal, composed, and it just seemed like he, like, he couldn't hit a barn door, man. He, he was taking the piss, if I'm being honest. Um, the chances were so, so bad. Like, you have to score them. And in the end, Chelsea, you kind of get punished. But I think that, I, I want to say their play, in terms of like how comfortable they were on the ball in the midfield, because I think their defenders kept giving it away, but I felt like whilst they weren't great, I felt that tactically, in terms of their defensive solidity, they really deserved to get something from the game. Um, I think we deserve, we should have scored goals, and that, that there's no doubt for me. Um, but I just felt like this result was coming because um, there's only been so many times you can actually get away with it. And at the Riverside Stadium, it was rocking. Um, decisions kept going their way. But I just felt like, I just felt we were a mess. I think tactically everything was just poor. That everything was slow. Um, it, it was just horrible. Sam, talk to me because you were yeah. optimistic. I, I mean, it. the second half was maybe the most pathetic thing I've seen this season. And that's saying a lot based on this season. That second half was like genuinely 
utterly pathetic. And I was so angry watching it. Like every single player, bar Caicedo, I think Caicedo actually had a good game. Um, every single one of them was making me sick. Like, I, I yeah, I, I can't even explain like what they were doing. It was just so many instances of pass, 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 pass. Like we had 72% of the ball, which is more mm. than we had against Preston. And I mean, it felt like that, but it felt like we didn't do anything with it. Like our, right. our good chances all came in the first half. We we we've normally been a second half team this year in terms of scoring goals. Like I think we've scored. I don't know the exact figures, but we've definitely scored a lot more goals in the second half than we have first. We've also conceded a lot more, but it seems like we're definitely a second half team this year in the sense of our games kind of light up in the second half, and we've had a lot of kind of drab and dry first halves. But the first the the um the first half was like we should have scored and I think I don't know if the players let that get to them um which they shouldn't but I mean they are all kind of a lot of them are inexperienced younger players so maybe they let it get to their head but I mean Madweke looked like he had a hole in his foot the ball just kept bouncing through it Sterling was just running into players I've never seen a man, professional footballer, fail to control the ball in the air so much. That was a madness. No, yeah, I didn't that understand. Like... That, might, that might genuinely be a flaw in his game because... It's a massive flaw. Because once he actually seen. gets the ball under control, he's dangerous. Like, he was dangerous and he was creating... But, but, like, but openings, this is what I'm saying. So, it under control, but, but, but this is just... what I'm saying. I'm just talking about an actual fail in his game. Like, you, he can't control the ball in the air. That might be a like, thing. I'm watching careful. Yeah, I don't know how you're playing in the same squad as Mikhailo Mudrik and you have a worse touch than him, to be perfectly honest. But, but, but that's the thing. I hear my view, though. I don't even think Mudrik's touch is bad. I think Mudrik's first touch is generally really good. I think it's what happened I think his first it's touch... Get, it looks like he's getting better. I don't know if it's just nerves when he first nah, came to this country. but. I think his first touch is actually quite yeah, good. Yeah, I don't even I want to harp on Madueke. Let, let me land. So I think his first touch is good. But what he wants to do with it, I think is different. I think the first touch and the, the actual technical capacity to bring a ball under your spell, I think he's fine. But I think he wants to operate at such a high speed. He's like, okay, I want to get it and do this. And then... It may go right time. I hear but then there's other times where it goes sharp and it, it, it just comes off and it looks great. Like he's think, already thinking of the whereas, next thing to do. So he fucks Right, up exactly. Time. Whereas I think a Madueke is actually a technical flaw. It's a, a technical deficiency. Do you get it? Uh, yeah, like that, that, sure. that, 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 that foot eye coordination just may not be there. Maybe I'm yeah. being harsh. So maybe no, I'm I don't think you're being harsh at all. I think it actually it's actually much worse. It happened about seven, eight times in the game, and I found that that was it ruined mental. a lot of opportunities. And it I know was he was creating mental. danger when he actually got the ball under control, but Bro, just the it, fact it of you're a professional footballer and you're doing that it was winding me up. But I don't even it want to just mental. focus on him because Sterling was just running into people for no reason. Yeah, Gallagher literally I'm looked not like he out there. I'm like, not even getting onto Madueke in terms of his performance because I didn't think he was a bad player. I just was just noting that. That's something I've noticed. No, yeah, yeah. No, I'm getting onto him. I'm getting onto all of them. Um, like I said, Barca, Sedo. They were all pathetic. Oh, yeah. Pa- pa- Palmer, Palmer 
wasn't great. I wouldn't say he was bad. It wasn't great, but he. I'd only say he's bad because you, you cannot miss those three chances. You can't. Yeah. Do that. Like yeah, those chances. You, were you bad. simply can't. And then yeah, yeah um, Gallagher was looking like me out there. Like I don't know what he was doing. Like this pathetic. Like no, no, Fernandez. Connor's performance, Connor's performance, yeah, and I'll pass this over to Timson shortly, but the performance yesterday from Connor Gallagher was, only yesterday, the other day, it was so bad because so bad. every time he had the opportunity to move forward, he turned back. And that yeah. is so criminal because that is not, like, Connor's game shouldn't be that. Like, that. I just didn't understand it. There was times where Cole Palmer and Noni were literally livid. They were like flinging their hands. Yeah, they were getting annoyed at him, you could see. And Enzo as well. In disgust because he just kept going back. Like, he, it, like if you're the most... Well, okay, if, if you're playing a 4-3-3, because apparently that's what Pocha's system is, a 4-3-3, and you are the yeah, most advanced it. midfielder of those three, apparently, again, or at least sharing that position, then surely you should be thinking forwards. Surely. Surely. But no, I just think it's an error. Like, you've not seen the Tuchel seen... clip during the rounds. Like, I mean, Tuchel was, was so shouting at him like when yeah. he first played for Chelsea. It was so I mean... bad. And I, I, again, for me, with Connor, and I've said this before and I'll keep saying it, he is at his best self when he keeps things simple. And he isn't trying to think, I'm a baller and I need to take multiple touches. The reason why he goes back in those instances is because he's taken too many touches and he doesn't know what to do with it until it's too late. And then he's back there. He's like, okay, let me just give it now. Do you get what I'm trying to say? But if he keeps it quick, simple, one touch, two touch, he's actually thinking, like it's like, okay, sharp, sharp, sharp. But the moment he starts dawdling on the ball, it's so disgusting. And I, this, this is my guy as well. But I'm not afraid to t- call my people out. And that is just so poor. So, so poor. And, like, for me, as a staunch Gallagher defender, I can't even, def- like, defend performances like that. Th- those are just really, really bad. And I can only hope that those performances will become few and far between in the la- in the grand scheme of his career. But, bro, it's it weren't good enough. It was really, really poor. Um, and once again... He doesn't get reprimanded for those sort of performances. He doesn't get reprimanded for those sort of moments. But Enzo does. I find it insane. I find it absolutely insane. And um, once again, like you said, Sam, it may be due to Enzo being having this injury um, and you're managing his minutes. But, bro, I, I, I don't know. But, Tibson, talk to me about the enigma of Conor Gallagher because a lot of the fan base love him. Um, um, for football reasons or not, who, who knows? But I, I love Conor Gallagher um, for definitely for, for footballing reasons. But talk to me about Conor, where you stand on him and um, his performance against Middlesbrough. Just, just wow. All right. So we've all heard the phrase, love is blind. <clears throat> now, that can't happen in football. So when you love a player, you love them with your eyes open, knowing exactly what they are. I've said it for quite some time that if Chelsea are to hit the levels um, that they aspire to, a player like Conor Gallagher isn't a starter for the calibre of team Chelsea are aiming to be. He's a useful squad player. He's what I constantly refer to as a double espresso, a strong shot of energy, 
an industry coming off the bench or inserting games from the start. Now, with Conor Gallagher, this was just one of those games where he had a poor night and this is probably why you can't see, it's hard to imagine him starting in a top, top class Chelsea side. Um, decisions were bad. Um, there was little added value when he was on the ball specifically. Um, there very rarely is. When we praise Conor Gallagher, it's usually for his off the ball, his leadership in terms of his pressing, his energy. Um, it's not commonly it's not commonly for what he adds on the ball. And if we're being really, really frank and really, really honest, there have been better players on the ball come through Chelsea Academy that haven't made the grade. Prime example, Charlie Colkett. Um, if I was to compare Conor Gallagher to a specific player, um, probably be the Barcelona Academy player, Ricky Puge. Um, came with a lot of energy. He got stuck into tackles. He he carried the ball well um, in moments and he gave it and he, and he played a simple game. But Ricky Puge was also quality on the ball. He could deliver fine. He could deliver a, a quality final ball. He had an expansive passing range. And where is he? He's playing for LA Galaxy in the MLS. Now, when I look at Conor Gallagher, I accept all of his shortcomings and all of his strengths and say, for Conor, the Conor Gallagher um, that I see wholly, I like him and I support him and I want him to do well. But for me, I'm not going to be like, this is an eye-opener, he's rubbish, let's sell him to Spurs. I This is the Conor Gallagher that I've, also, I've always seen cumulatively. Um, and because I've seen this from very, very early, I would expect a former player and manager who's managed world-class players at PSG and Harry Kane is a world-class player, so even at Spurs to a degree, to not see a player in his entirety in terms of his strengths and shortcomings and decide that he was better suited to stay on the pitch than Enzo Fernandez is just another reason why I'm perplexed. I'm continually perplexed by uh, Mauricio Pochettino and his decisions. Well, nicely put, because it, for me, again, I struggle with Poch. I, I genuinely do struggle. Um, I struggle to really understand what he's trying to do, what he's trying to achieve with the club. And it's such a concern. It's such a, such a concern. And um, as you rightfully said, it, Connor isn't, for me, a player that absolutely has to start every single game. I think he's got the capacity to impact games, most definitely, because I think he's a good player. Um, but I think the notion that he must start every single game and must not really be accountable for his own poor performances is very, very interesting. But that being said, again, it goes back to players showing the best version of themselves. And I just don't think Poch is the man to really get players to really show the best version of themselves. I, I, I can't really berate the players too much because I think the manager's not good. I, I, I just genuinely don't think he's a good manager. Um, and he, he's shown this a number of times when he's being asked to build a team that is competitive to win things consistently. Um, 
and the expectations are to win. Tottenham, Southampton, very different propositions, very different remits than a Chelsea football club. It's just point blank, period. Very, very different to a PSG, again. And even PSG as a club, culturally, aren't the greatest. But at Chelsea, we had a defined culture of success and winning. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't forego periods of winning to really build something substantial. But you have to look at it and think, well, is the architect actually a good one? And I just don't think Poch is. I don't think he is a good architect, if I'm honest. I think he's, um, yeah, I, I honestly think he's poor. Really, really poor. And I, I'm struggling to see where we go from here. Because again, after Poch, we had the same conversation with, um, with Potter last season, um, where I spoke about the manager not being good enough. And again, at that point in time, people were saying that, you know, it's, it's still too soon, too early. Um, I, I called it from the moment that he, he got here. I said, this this ain't a Chelsea manager. Um, with Pochettino, again, very early on, I was saying, yeah, this this ain't going to work. Like, you could just kind of tell that you can, you can already see, I already foresaw issues that was making me think, yeah, what are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? And it, what, it, you give it an opportunity to run if it's like a one-time thing. So if it's Chilwell's playing left wing one time, I don't like it, but okay, fine. But he persisted with that. It looked madness. Colwell at left back. All right. Did it one time. Say less. I, I'd accept it. But it's a consistency thing. Raw. Okay, this is mad. Enzo Fernandez, number 10. I don't really like it, but Carney got injured, so I'll accept it. Talk to me. It's been happening consistently. So there's a certain things where just the, the patterns were just there. And it was like, yeah, this ain't this ain't it, man. This ain't it. And um I, I really do struggle to 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 understand what the management, so that's the sporting directors and the owners, really thought when they said, Oh, I, we're gonna take our time when we make this appointment. Um because again, I said at the time, it's not about taking your time, it's about actually making the right decision. And I think the right decision will stare them right in their face. But Nagelsmann is pretty much not, he's not an inflammatory character, but he's a character that will do his things his way. And ultimately, I don't think that he would want to be constrained the way that the owners wanted to constrain their manager. Um, and they wanted a manager that's quite simple, quite yet like, you know, a yes man to an extent. And they got the perfect person in Pochettino. And that's why they're not in no hurry to sack him off. They're in no hurry because this is the guy that they hired. And they can only hope that our fans don't make enough noise to get him up out of here. Because for me, it needs to get real toxic like Benitez. Like that thing, like what I'm seeing here, what I'm seeing here, I, for the life of me, do not understand how he's gotten away with this Way more than Benitez. Benitez had us in third, I think. He won us Europa League and had us in third. Am I, am I, am I guessing it? Under Benitez, we were third, I swear. Uh, I'm almost I, certain we were third and we won the Europa League. Definitely got us into the top four. He got Definitely us into the top four and Champions League. Uh, and so I'm just like, what? Nah, man. So uh, And people are trying to say, oh, no, he deserves time. We shouldn't be complaining about the season, like, excuse me? Or what are you talking about? Like, 
this is failure of the absolute maddest proportion. Like, we finished third under Rafa Benitez and he was booed every home game. Yeah? We fi- we won the Europa League with Rafa Benitez. He was booed every home game. Like, this was his first season. No, he he, ta- he came in un- uh, after Roberto Di Matteo. He was sacked in November. He won the Europa League, was booed every home game, finished third. Also, let's not forget, that was a very young team too. That was a super young team. We just got Eden Hazard. We had Juan Mata, who was 24. We just got Oscar. We, we literally we had Bertrand. We had, a ve- we had Sturridge. We all, very young team. A very, very young team. But again, what can I say, man? I just, I just think this is just a, a real shit show. A real, real shit show. And Chelsea fans really need to start speaking up and talking and complaining and, you know, recognising that this is so far from unacceptable. This is far from acceptable. Far, far from acceptable. Like, ugh, mate, if you look at the squad that we had back then, it's insane. It's it's actually insane in terms of like ages and youth and everything. But anyway, I, I I'm just struggling. Sam, talk to me. We've got a game against Fulham this weekend. Um, against our not even bitter Southwest London rivals, but Fulham our neighbours. Our neighbours. Let's talk about Fulham. What, what, yes, what I mean probably our last game against Fulham was one of our only actual comfortable wins over the season. I think that game actually mm. felt like comfortable. I know we went 2-0 up. I think Broha scored on his return with that um, nice little kind of interception. What was the other goal? Mudrick. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, it was Mudrick. Yeah, yeah, it was. It wasn't. His, I think his first Premier League goal, wasn't it? I believe so. It was a really good goal too. Yeah, yeah, it was a good finish. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've been on... I think they've won... Wait, let me double check. I think they've won like a couple in a row now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're doing pretty well. I know they lost against Liverpool, obviously at the um, at the week, uh, not the weekend. Um, yesterday. So they've won two but... out of their last five. They've won two out of their last five. So they're not doing amazingly well. But oh won yeah, they're really not doing five. that well. To be honest, um, I don't know why Chelsea are doing well. Yeah, they just beat Arsenal. Had, That's probably why I thought that. We've had a better run of form. Um, yeah. So I mean, so... I'm. Like I've said on pretty much every pod I've been on this year, like trying to predict what Chelsea I'm going to see at the weekend is almost an impossible task. Like, I think we're on a pretty good run of form at the minute. I know the Middlesbrough game was obviously a bit of a blip, but I think, although I don't think, you like like we mentioned, I don't think we played that well. I do think if you play that game nine times out of ten, we do probably win or at least don't lose. Um, in terms of the league form, I think we've been in like a decent run of form with like blips, like over the last kind of month or so. We'll kind of put maybe two good performances together, then we'll have a blip, and then so it's it's, it's tricky. I think our last game against Luton was was interesting. Um, I could didn't catch the second half because I was busy, but I obviously saw it up until like the fiftieth minute, and we were like cruising three 0 up. And then I came out of like whatever I was doing. I was like three two, and I was like, "What the hell happened?" And then by all the sounds of it, we just absolutely got pummeled in the last like twenty minutes. So, if I was saying I'm confident, I'd be lying. If I was saying I'm nervous, I'd be lying. 
if I was saying I don't know what the hell's going to happen, then that would be the truth because what Chelsea were going to get is just really, really baffling to me. Um, I think just touching on the kind of the Ian Martson thing that you two were talking about earlier, the biggest thing for me with all of that is not even that Martson doesn't play, it's that we have to play Colwell there instead. Well, we don't have to, but that's what I mean, what we're doing. And it's more kind of the profile of the player we're playing. Um, so I think I'd be really interested to see after Colwell's kind of mistake against Middlesbrough for the goal, which was a pretty big mistake really in kind of two different phases I think he made errors which weren't good and I I mean I know that's a left back there but some of the things were kind of worrying even if he was playing a centre-back for me I mean his athleticism was just kind of really poor he looked like he was like yeah it's um, just it's mad to me like him playing at left back when he look Cobble isn't a horribly bad athletic player Right, I think he when he gets moving, when he gets running, I think he's got good mobility. But but he turns very slow. Um, he doesn't have that quick agility, um, and that kind of leads to the way he defends as well. I think he's quite good at standing people up and um, defending central zones, and he doesn't yeah. really commit and tackles. No, That's yeah, I agree, I agree. But when you put someone like that out wide. Defending wide zones against nippy, like wingers, like what are you expecting? It's I'm trying to understand the logic behind what he's doing, and it it really I, it it does. It so I think that's that's like my biggest worry about the game against Fulham. I mean, I think they've got kind of wingers that will be able to really challenge us in those areas and I think yeah. managers are now looking at that Colwell area the similar way that they looked at when we used to play Alonso there as kind of the area which they can get at and yeah, yeah I don't think I mean Kukure is definitely not going to be back and I know Chilwell is like working his way back but I don't think he's going to be back for Fulham I think it's going to be be a while but I mean yeah I think we're just going to see pretty similar 11 to what we saw against Middlesbrough to be perfectly honest I think maybe you'll take out Noni for um, Broha and I think that's probably what we'll see and I still think that's more than enough to beat them and I think it's be naive to suggest that that isn't enough to beat them because we're much better than Fulham and I mean it's one of the teams we are actually above um, and we can kind of I mean, I don't know, because we're doing that week-long break thing where certain teams aren't playing. I mean, with a win, we can go up to, I mean, potentially eighth at the minimum and seventh if we win by win quite comfortably. And with how bad our season's been, I mean, other teams will obviously have games in hand, but that's not like as doom and gloom as 10th. So I really just think we need to start putting some wins together against these teams that we should be it's beating. We need to put yeah. points on the board, man. For sure. But I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna call the result because I don't know. It's it's pointless. I don't know what Chelsea I'm gonna get. Like am I gonna get that pathetic second half performance against Middlesbrough or am I gonna get actually I can't think of anything good but <laughs> yeah. You know yeah, we're so nasty bro it's ugh we are so, yeah, we're so nasty. It's, it's so tiring. no prediction, no prediction from Sam. All right, I was try, 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 give out a prediction, man. A wise man said, "I expect us to suffer," and oh, I do. I really do. 
I don't. They, they've shown they've shown great, great like uh, they showed really good fight back Fulham against Arsenal, and we're just not the type that bounces back from adversity. Not for some some years now, we've been able to mm. bounce back from a disappointing result earlier on in the week to make it right on Saturday. That used to make the rare losses during peak Chelsea um, even more bearable because. Other teams would be like, oh, Chelsea had a bad result. Watch out. Unlucky for the team yeah. that they're going to play at the weekend. Yeah. Now teams are thinking, nah, we can make it worse. Let's, let's build on it. Yeah, we, we, we can dunk on them even further. I hear you. Mm-hmm. It's, um, uh, so you're not going to make a prediction either. Rah. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> like you, man, said, it's so difficult to really predict what Chelsea you're going to see. Um, but you know, even Malagusto looked off the pace against Middlesbrough. And that, he was fantastic. so bad. Oh, my God. So I was even thinking, like, all my guys are actually good. And they, they, they've been in good form. Are starting to, like, look shoddy. And once again, the question goes back to the manager. Because I wonder, how is that even possible? But anyway, I'm going to try and hash out a prediction. Chelsea haven't lost to Fulham at the bridge for God knows how many years. Uh, but I'm going to be quietly concerned. I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say 1-0. It's going to be a horrible, nervy 1-0. That's to my who? opinion. To Us. Chelsea. Okay. It's going to be a horrible, nervy 1-0 to Chelsea. That's my view. Um, oh, mate. Oh, man. Yeah, that's what I think. That's what I think. Horrible, nervy 1-0 Chelsea. I can only hope. Um, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if we go on to lose the game, considering how bad things have been for us. Um, but yeah, anyway, lads, appreciate your time. We'll be back again next week, hopefully with a win under our belts. I think we've got a game against Middlesbrough again, the second leg of the Carabao Cup on Wednesday next week. I think that's the oh, following mate. Is a two-week break. Is it the following week? It yeah, is a two-week yeah. break. Oh, I think right, we got cool, that week yeah. off like some teams have this week because they do the kind of yeah, winter yeah, yeah, break yeah. thing now. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right. Oh, mate, I'm I'm so rattled. I don't know what's coming. I, I really don't. I really do not have a clue. I don't know what's going on Scooby. But, yeah, you. let's hope by the time we, we, we come back next week that Chelsea have a game and a win against Fulham. And hopefully higher up in the table, which is insane. I'm saying this as a Chelsea fan, but that's the state we're in at the moment. But anyway, Tipson, Sam, I appreciate your time. Take it easy. Peace. Bless. Bless. Pleasure. Sports Social Podcast Network.